Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Haunted History Chronicles. In today's episode I'm joined by a special guest. We're going to be talking about a range of topics including parapsychology, paranormal investigating and near-death experiences. So without further ado let's get started. Hi Donald, can you hear me okay? Yeah hey Michelle, I'm Hi. good. I can hear, I can hear you good. Perfect. So thank you so much for joining me today. I know you're Absolutely. I know you're super busy. I apologize if you hear any strange bangs and you know knocks and things in the background, but we're in the middle of some pretty awful weather at the moment and we've quite literally been playing chase the garden greenhouse and bins around all morning. <laughs> Do you want to start by just introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your background with everyone listening? Yeah, hello and uh thanks for having me on. So so uh I'm a physician, internal medicine physician, which is adult medicine. I basically take care of adults from uh, 18 to the eight to the till they pass. Um, I'm from. I live in uh, Virginia, uh, in, in the United States, and originally from Ohio. Um, I've been a uh, out of training as a physician for about it's like 21 years now. It's hard to believe time's flying by. It flies by. I finished up my residency and all my training in uh, 2001, um, and then. With the uh, paranormal and the and the interest in the parapsychology and and the ghost things, that all my life I've had interesting things happen since, since the time of childhood. When I was a kid, I would, first was a little frightened by. It. Mom was really open to talking about it, and my dad. It was weird. Just it kind of got to be normal things. It just everywhere we kind of lived, things would happen. As I got older and went to college and medical school and all those things, I just kept having. Uh, and, and then you know, I never really thought about getting into investigating things until I saw some of the TV shows in the early 2000s. The first show I saw was ghost hunters here in America. And, and that I was like blown away. Like what you can, you can investigate the, the experiences that I've been having and actually gather evidence and learn about it. So I, you know, I, I watched the shows of ghost adventures, even most haunted from uh, over there from England. And I watched all the shows and I was really interested in it, but I never really joined a team until, or I never really started investigating it and really delving into it more until I moved to Virginia in 2009. And then I came across a team uh, local to where I live and uh, they were looking for somebody to join them around 2011, 2012. So I joined this ghost hunting team and I was, it was just so cool to get to investigate the experiences that I've had. And then I did that for a while. Then I started wanting to kind of branch out and do my own thing and kind of try to incorporate the science side of things into the paranormal investigating, like more of like an academic science thing. Not that we, not that my team wasn't doing like a scientific approach, but I wanted to see if I could incorporate, you know, the science medical background I had with the paranormal. And I started doing a lot of research into, you know, different things like near death experiences and previous lives, reincarnation. And then just, this, I realized there's this whole other part of parapsychology and paranormal. I wasn't even really thinking about, you know, until I branched out or just around 2018 or so that I branched out and I started doing this thing that I call Haunted MD. I started that on, started up a page on Facebook and I did that for a few years and then I did YouTube and eventually got onto Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, so what I do is I, with my Facebook page and, and now what I'm trying to do with Instagram is I try to post interesting things that kind of make me think about different aspects of paranormal parapsychology. I post evidence that I have. Um, I, I'm kind of my own team, um, unless my girlfriend joins me on investigations. But then I also do like kind of freelance work. I work with a lot of different teams and go out with them and help them and 
and and and and do those kind of things. So, and then in the meantime, I still kind of do my own little research on the side about reading about near-death experiences and try to share all those things. Now, I haven't done a, you know, I haven't done a lot of official research in like near-death experiences and, and that on my own and trying to think about how to incorporate all that into what I'm doing. I'm kind of, even though I've had like all this stuff happen all my life, I'm fairly new to researching it and understanding what I experienced. It's only been since like 2012. So I'm still trying to find my way as far as, you know, do I want to try to do a little more academic type research or do I want to kind of keep doing the, you know, more of the hobbyist type ghost hunting uh, thing or, and then, and then trying to figure out how to incorporate all that. And that's think, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's a field though, that once you start dipping your toe in, it really can branch out into so many different areas and you know you might have a particular interest but even when you start delving into that even then it can fan out into so many different directions it's a really big big field and you can you know you can take it and do with it as you please and I think that's the beauty of the field you know for someone who is just interested in attending a ghost hunt and having that experience and maybe um entertaining some of the experiences that they've had by being able to talk to others who are like-minded you know you can start there but then it can go all the way across a very broad spectrum which I think is wonderful because you know it just allows people to experience it for what they want at this moment and that might change and I think that's great you mentioned a couple of things in there that you know I think would be really interesting to kind of tease out a little bit more I mean I know you you mentioned that parapsychology is this kind of broad umbrella of things you know and once you started investigating you suddenly you know became interested and and realized that it could be other things I think most people don't realize that it is that broad umbrella until they really start diving in and I think you know for most people they they might get in because of the ghost hunting and sometimes miss those other aspects and you know it's not something that's necessarily talked about on those tv shows that you mentioned Right. Do you want to just explain what parapsychology is? You know, kind of a 101 <laughs> idiot's yeah. guide. What is it? You know, so parapsychology, um, it's a, it's generally considered to be like more of an academic um, thing you're doing or academic uh, studying of um, various uh, different phenomena. Usually they talk or they, they look at, um, you know, psychic phenomena, ESP, you know, extrasensual perception, remote viewing, mediumship, um, you know, the different clairvoyances and those kind of things. Um, they also uh, look at near-death experiences, uh, deathbed visions, out-of-body experiences. So they don't directly, most of the time, direct, don't directly say ghost hunting, but they do look at what they call aberrational experiences. Um, so they're kind of looking at it more from this, like the psi phenomena and are there, are there these, do people have these abilities, you know, beyond the normal human senses and those kind of things. And then, you know, and so they, and then they kind of approach it from setting up a, like a actual, you know, lab experiments. When you do experiments in a lab, you have control groups and experimental groups and you're collecting data, analyzing the data, you know, with different statistical programs you know, and those kind of things. So, you know, with the parapsychology, it's a little different from ghost hunting and things because, you know, it's when you're ghost hunting or paranormal investigating a location, you really, it's hard to have control group and collect data, you know, collect, you know, good data. There are some teams that are doing that where they collect, you know, all kinds of different environmental data and analyze that. 
with, with parapsychology, there's it's more of kind of an academic thing with a little more of a focus on these extra, these abilities that are beyond what normal or what we normally think of, uh, of humans having if that makes uh, any sense. So, yeah. And I find it fascinating that, you know, those same kind of aspects of parapsychology that people investigate and research and look into today are exactly the same areas that, you know, people were studying and looking at 100 years ago, 150 years ago, when you had, you know, institutions like the, you know, Society for Psychical Research being set up here in the UK, and then for you over in the States, you know, it's the same topics, it's the same, it's the same things to look into. And still ongoing research, actually, I'm actually, I'm a member of the SPR over there. And uh, so, yes, I get there, I get the journals and stuff. So, yeah, that was one of the first and oldest groups that, you know, started doing organized investigation of these different things, mediumship and people's experiences, poltergeist activity and those kind of things. So So which areas of parapsychology are you particularly interested in? You know, I think for me with being a doc, um, I'm interested in these near-death experiences and in the deathbed visions. You know, I, I seem like I come across that or hear or come across stories of that. I haven't I've had a few experiences with my patients, but I hear, you know, often nurses know what I do and they'll come and tell me about their experiences they had with, with uh, deathbed visions. That's where somebody sees right before they're going to pass a day or two or a few hours before they pass, they'll see their loved one or a religious figure or something like that come for them. And then, and then they'll, they'll and kind of pass on. So those are kind of cool. Um, uh, definitely near, you know, near death experiences are right up my alley as a physician. And then the other thing that's kind of curious to me, and I, I haven't got into it as much as I would like to, is this idea of um, previous lives. I mean, if anything talks about, you know, survival of consciousness and 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 all that is, you know, the children have previous lives, they have these amazing stories of this whole other life. And the thing about the previous lives thing is you can go back in history and verify a lot of the facts. You know, these kids tell these stories and they don't even know, this, they've never been exposed to any of the, the things they're telling but they're telling you, the, you know, I lived at this house. I had these friends. I played at this playground. And you're able to go back in time. You're able to go back in the records and kind of find these places and these these people. And it's it's kind of amazing when you think about it. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting feel to you and, and all that. So one of the things I keep kicking around with and I, I and I got to say, I haven't I haven't committed to it yet is like trying to trying to be present when somebody passes away. And see if I could bring some of my equipment and some of the ghost equipment and just see, are you able to detect any energy fields leaving the body or you, are you, you know, like with some of the cameras we use, can you see something leaving the body? And so I've been thinking about how to do that. It's just a little tricky with, uh, with the, the rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff. It would be an interesting um, experiment though, with obviously permission from family and, you know, consent from the hospital and all of those things, but it would be, it would be fascinating to kind of, be able to track something like that and to see if you do catch anything um, yeah because when you, you talk know, with uh, when you talk with hospice hospice nurses and and even i've taken care of people that have passed away you know and you know as part of what i do and but the hospice teams and nurses they have these you know all these different experiences that they they share and tell me about it'd be cool to kind of go around with them and mm. you know be there to be there to document some of the stuff that's going on and see if you can bring any validation to the equipment that we use, you know, in the ghost hunting realm is, are we actually, do you actually detect an energy or, or are these devices picking up on anything and paranormal or not? So anyway, yeah, so I've debated about working with some of the hospice folks 
and all that kind of thing. We actually, where I work right now, in the, I work in a satellite hospital of a, of a, of a big hospital, and we actually have a hospice unit. And um, I've been kicking around the idea of, you know, kind of talking with them and and, and seeing how, what their thoughts would be on that. So, it would yeah, be yeah. So more to come it, on that, I guess. <laughs> oh, I, I look forward to it. I mean, um, when I was training and doing my um, university degree at Cambridge, I worked in nursing homes and, you know, I've, so I've had experiences myself where I've been with elderly people as they, you know, have been in those last few days of their life and, and with them when they've passed on. And not every time, but there are some, some of those moments and occasions that I, you know, I still remember 20 years later because of how it happened, just how aware they suddenly became in those last few moments, you know, reaching out yes. to something that wasn't there. Right. Sometimes having a conversation with someone that, again, you know, you were in the room weren't aware of. And, you know, right. those moments often coming when they'd had days of almost being completely silent in a comatose state, you know, very, very deep asleep for days. And then suddenly in those last few moments, just right. becoming aware and, and talking and, and, alert in a way that they hadn't been previously and then them slipping away so you know it is a it can be a really special moment when you see something like that because there's something very beautiful in what you think might be happening yeah there is i know i had i'll just tell you a quick story i had uh, one that sticks out of my mind is this is probably about five six years ago we had a lady in hospice and we were keeping her in the hospital i don't know what the deal was i don't know if she didn't have fam she didn't have a lot of family in the area but she was we made her comfort care basically the idea she was going to pass in the next day or two. And I went to check on her and um, I walked in the room and she's just looking at the ceiling and she had these like really big eyes and this big smile. And, and, and like, she was just, it looked, it looked like for all purposes, she was seeing something up there that I wasn't seeing. And she's just looking at the ceiling and she's like, you know, just smiling. And, you know, I'm like, how are you? She's like, I'm okay. I'm like, what are you seeing? I asked her and she's like, I see the angels. The angels are all right there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and I look up at the ceiling. And that was before I was kind of really into what I'm doing what I'm doing. Now I wish we had that experience now because I would have delved into it more, you know. And I'm like, what? And then the nurse, one of the nurses came in and and uh she, and she's like, What's going on? I'm like, she's seeing angels. And we're both like standing there, like, what? And you know, and we said, Okay. And then I walked out of the room and I told the nurse, I said, I think I don't think she has long much longer to live if she's seeing angels and things. And and then she ended up passing away that evening. But yeah, that was to me, that's like one of, it really sticks out in my mind as I mean, you I mean, she was seeing something mm. without a doubt, you know. And so. and I know most people would think, well, maybe it's the brain shutting down or maybe it's the amount of medication that they're on, but Yeah, I don't think so. Not in this I situation. So. No. Yeah. Because you can, you know, when they're alert like that and when they're having that moment, it is it's it's quite hard to explain, but it's really unique. It's very different to anything else that you come across when you, you know, when you're interacting interacting with um, patients like that and right, residents like right. that. It it really stands out in your mind. And like I said, you know, some of those examples that I can think of are from twenty years ago, right? And I can barely sometimes <laughs> recall things from a few weeks ago. So you know, they're special. They stood out for a reason because there was something about it that you couldn't just quite put your finger on that made it that little bit little bit different something to take note of right so yeah it would be as i say it would be fascinating if you could kind of explore that or if someone explored that further because 
be a really interesting bit of research, I think, because it yeah. is something that for many of us, we might experience something like that ourselves or have seen something like that with a loved one. And it's just the p- parapsychology is about gathering that information, isn't it? It's about that data collecting. Yes. And yes. seeing what we can learn, seeing what we find out to those big questions that we all have. And, and let's be honest, most people are still interested by the afterlife. What comes next? And that's a, oh, yeah. a question that's been burning in the minds of humans for centuries since the very beginning of time. So, right. yeah, it'd be interesting just to kind of keep chipping away and, and adding our, our voice to that body of research. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I with my Haunted MD, I think I'm hoping to kind of do that by – I'm hoping to bring more credibility and, and, and uh, you know, a better name to, like, some of the ghost hunting. I think sometimes ghost hunters, you know, like, you know, the typical ones who kind of – like, you know, what I do with other teams and myself go out, look for, you know, a, you know activity in a house. I think sometimes that gets a bad rap, especially in the scientific community. So I hope that by being a, a physician – you know, active physician, you know, and, and doing that, I hope to bring some credibility and kind of get more people interested in it and thinking about it. You know, there seems to be this weird thing. There's like a wall between parapsychology people and the ghost hunting people, you know, it's like the parapsychology people don't want anything, you know, they don't, they kind of frown upon ghost investigators and ghost investigators, I think are a little more willing to kind of cross in the parapsychology field, but a lot of people who are doing the ghost hunting don't really, understand the parapsychology or know about it so yeah they're like, it's like a weird division but we're they're all, but we're all doing the same thing right we're all trying to understand yes. the afterlife but we're kind of got this like this wall between us it'd be nice to kind of bring in everybody into the you know into one area because we're all you know, i think ghost hunting you know as a good paranormal investigator i have some pretty amazing interactions that really you know are pretty good evidence that there's something beyond you know beyond the living world and you know, it's just, there seems to be a, a wall or a division between the two camps. I think it's partly because, you know, so much of what gets put out on mainstream TV, um, as great as they are, don't tend to blend those worlds either. And so I think it creates a, a type of this is what it looks like. This is what it should be. This is what investigating the paranormal is. And that's a part of it, and it's a great part of it, and I, I don't knock it at all. But I think it can mean that people view that and see that's the model that I'm trying to emulate, and anything outside of that box just doesn't fit. And likewise, for people who don't necessarily engage in those questions in that way, it's easy to kind of get into that mindset of, well, this is how I'm doing this, and what others are doing isn't something that necessarily interests me because it doesn't fit the route that I'm taking. And you're right. Sometimes we can then miss that by joining these different networks, we might start asking different types of questions or pooling information that we have collectively and seeing how the two could be integrated more. You know, somebody with a particular experience and and kind of expertise alongside someone else could see how these two worlds could simultaneously work together and you know the the outcome then could be something quite amazing right yeah i'm actually excited i'm heading out um i can't say too much about it because they're um the main person that's doing this and this project is writing a book so it's trying to keep a lot of it hush hush 
but um, where I'm going out with a, a group of group of guys that are like that are one guy's a parapsychologist, and then there's me. Another guy is like a molecular biologist, but he's interested in paranormal stuff. And another guy is a um, electrical engineer or some type of yeah electrical engineer. So and he has all this like um, environmental monitoring type things. Mm -hmm. So we're going to a, a like one of the more famous uh, haunted locations here in the states, and we're going to kind of do like a more of a scientific approach. So I'm kind of curious to see how that goes, and you know what how it's different from like you know, what I normally do going out with teams. So I'm kind of excited about that. They have all these systems to monitor different environmental changes and, and kind of different setup experiments. So I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. Yeah. So, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Yeah. It's always nice though, to get out and explore somewhere, just being able to go into a building like, like that is, yeah. I think it's a, a special experience, you know, it's something that you should enjoy and treasure because you know these buildings are amazing the history of them is fantastic and yeah. you know being able to go in in that way is is pretty phenomenal so if you were kind of giving some advice to someone looking at trying to get into parapsychology and to kind of start maybe looking at some of these areas where would you recommend they start looking you know any particular useful pathways that you found or could suggest you know there's there's some good books out there with you know you know find some good parapsychology books um in the united states there's a couple different programs to kind of look into um, the uh university of virginia i actually work for university of virginia health system but university of virginia has a paranormal program it's called the division of perceptual studies i haven't worked with them at all or done anything with them but um it's a a group of docs doing looking at near-death experiences and all those kind of things. And they're well, they started out this the program started out as a looking at reincarnation and previous lives um, by Dr. Ian Stevenson. He kind of started the program and he's pat you know he's passed on, but there's a whole group of uh, um, physicians and PhDs that are doing research in that. So it's cool to kind of look at their site and kind of see what kind of stuff they have a lot of different things um, you can read about on the site and then uh, Dr. Tucker and um, Dr. Grison, they've written a lot. They've written a lot of books on like near-death experiences and those kind of things. So there's a lot of good books out there to start. Um, University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies. Um, and as far as uh, getting a degree in parapsychology, I think the only place you can do it is in, in Ed Edinburgh. Edinburgh, am I saying that right? Yeah, <laughs> Edinburgh. Uh, you, yeah. Yeah. So you can actually get a parapsychology degree there. And actually, the, uh, one of the guys I'm going out with. Uh, to this location uh, coming up here is he actually got his degree from there. So you can get parapsychology degrees there, but a good thing is just, you know, get online and just, you know, Google parapsychology and, you know, there's, you know, you can find some good reading material and there's different books. Now, there's a university of Arizona guy. He's doing a, a lot of good research and survival consciousness and that at university of Arizona. Gary, I think it's Schwartz, Gary Schwartz, but he's doing cool stuff. He's actually trying to, he's trying to do it, laboratory research trying to trying to prove that there that ghosts or spirits exist and he's doing all these things with he was doing it with like light changes in light and measuring that and then um then i heard recently he's doing something with um you know those the balls where you touch them like they have energy in them and you touch them and the ball and the energy goes towards your fingers mm -hmm. he's doing something with that now gary schwartz yeah that's him but he, he's actually does a lot of stuff with parapsychology, but he's doing things with like working with mediums, trying to get ghosts to come into a lab and then trying to see and trying to 
trying to vet, try to measure the presence of a spirit or not. So that's kind of cool. But he also, there's also the other things too, like, you know, in their death experiences and all that kind of thing. There's a whole wealth of stuff. If you get on Google and Google parapsychology and, and all those kind of things, I think it's important if you're going to, even if you're going to be a ghost hunter or a paranormal investigator, I mean, I think it's good to know some basic parapsychology stuff and I agree and yeah, all that. Um, Cause I think it helps you understand better. And, you know, and also looking at what they're doing, you can kind of incorporate some of those thought processes or techniques into how you want to investigate a location and all that, trying to really control for natural things and thinking about, you know, what's, so, you know, what's something, what, if you're catching something that's truly paranormal versus something normal, and it kind of helps you think in more organized fashion about, you know, really controlling for natural things and all that. But yeah, I think, you know, if it was me, you know, getting on to starting fresh and, and, and actually what I did was I just started Googling stuff and I got found, I came across all this parapsychology stuff. And then I started just Googling different things and I ordered some books, you know, and then I started reading about the UVA program and that's kind of how I got into it. And then there's also the Ryan Institute, you know, in North Carolina and all that. So there's a lot of different um, things you can read about. There's actually, I think there's some, I've had friends tell me there's some online parapsychology courses you can do too that give you the base, like parapsychology 101 and give you the basics of parapsychology. And, and I think they even incorporate ghost hunting and the equipment, you know, talking about the different pieces of equipment and the goods and bads of all that. And so. And, you know, there are institutions like that, that put out journals and periodicals and, and, um, you know, seminars and allow you to. Yeah. Yes. You know, watch well, like, videos. Well, like you mentioned too, at SPR, mm. you know, they have uh, all kinds of, I mean, you know, all kinds of great articles and things. And and it's not, you can join them and get their, I get their journals and things. It's nice. Yeah. To, yeah. And it's a really nice library because, you know, you, again, you can dip in and out of the areas that you maybe particularly want to focus on it, uh, to start off with. But, you know, I, I think it's something that you find the more you, start researching and looking the more you start asking just more questions that have you looking somewhere else but right they're right. great places to start and and like i said you can access videos with lecturers with you know phds with doctors with oh yeah yeah all kinds of people YouTube. from yeah yeah get on youtube there's all kinds of parapsychology and near-death experience and, and things like that you know it was a really good show for people not to i'm not promoting netflix or anything but netflix had this uh what was that show? Surviving Death. I don't know if you mm -hmm. saw that show. That was a pretty good show. It's actually that covers a lot of things in parapsychology and ghost hunting. I thought they did that show pretty well. Um, that's a that's a if you're getting in if you've never really done anything with parapsychology and paranormal, I think it's a good show or a good series to watch. I think there was like four or five episodes or something like that. But that was a, they covered a lot of things in that that was really good. It's a good introduction, and even if you're in the field, I thought that it's a good thing to watch and talk about some good things mm, definitely and it's I think it's great that more of these type things are starting to actually come out because I think it's starting to showcase the different types of questioning and thinking and work that's being done in the field so you know that that kind of model of well this is what paranormal is it's ghost hunting you go into a building with this type of equipment you know that's starting to kind of branch out to other areas now and we're starting to see that on mainstream tv so i'm kind of excited for where the field might go and and what other things then might be put out for just the general public to be able yeah. to watch and kind of engage with you know it's yeah. exciting really because we have we've seen this massive growth of 
of people interested in the paranormal because of these shows on television from 10 years ago. So, yeah, who knows where we could be in another 10 years because of what's coming out. As far as human history goes, I mean, I think we're probably, we probably know the most about the afterlife and paranormal than we, you know, than we, parapsychology things, the most we've ever known in, in history, you know, now. Mm. between all the academic stuff that's going on and then the and, the and the paranormal investigating and yeah we have i mean i think it's kind of hard to say that there's not an afterlife i i struggle to understand why people can be so dismissive of it because why why wouldn't there be why why can't there be something what's the reasoning for saying hard no <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know some people just yeah it's 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 weird you know i know some people at least in the united states it's it's religious, you know, mm. it's the Bible says, you know, there's, there's only this and there's only that. And if you even think about the other, you know, the existence of ghosts and things, and that's, that's wrong. And, you know, so some of it's that, um, some of it, I think it's just people can't scientifically convince themselves of it. So they, you know, it's like, that's, you know, that's crazy talk. And yeah, yeah I don't know. I think is it is from a science standpoint, I think you can't, you can't dismiss it because there's so many experiences that exactly. Yeah. It's like, if, you know, I think you're pretty close minded if you say, well, there's no way. And that's crazy. And, and that's, you know, the evolution of, of humankind, isn't it? That right. we continue to evolve by looking at and examining those experiences. And that's where I really struggle that people can be so um, close minded about it, because if these experiences are there and these questions are still there, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So, even if your results and your investigations and your research doesn't produce any anything particularly um, outstanding, it's not going to solve the answers necessarily right now. Yeah, it's part of a much bigger and larger question that I think you know has has always been something that we've been interested in and right. will continue to be so because these experiences still keep happening. And again, like I said, there's a reason for that. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I know I had a I had one person I used to ghost hunt with, and we had some pretty pretty serious experiences. And that person just like once that person was real skeptical, mm. but once we had pretty convincing experiences, it freaked that person out so much that they did they couldn't they didn't want to deal with it anymore because it rocked their belief system for whatever reason. Their belief system, you know, it was like to actually acknowledge that ghosts exist and there is something after this world they'd always had thought about everything differently. So, so for them to think about it from the point of view that you survive death and you're going to, this is other, you know, the, the, that our life, you know, and our bodies is only temporary, it really rocked their belief system for whatever reason. And they couldn't deal with it. So they were just like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to think about it. So it's just like, for whatever reason, some people, I, you know, and I've, I've heard of other stories too, where people just can't wrap their head around that idea that, you know, that there's, that you, you know, our consciousness survives, you know, for whatever reason, and it really kind of spooks them. Mm. And, and, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think when you have a particular belief system and that starts to shift, that can be frightening. You know, it's like, it's like anything in our life, isn't it? When we suddenly have that light bulb moment or we see something or experience something or have something happen that makes us shift our thinking and, 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 you know, that's life altering. That can yeah. be really life altering. And for some, they'll ride with that and they will go, oh, wow. Yeah. Now let's start going and exploring and doing all of these new things with this this kind of new 
way of looking at things. But for others, that's so scary yes. that it's just easier to stay on that one particular path. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. So one thing that I I think is particularly important and, you know, these are things that I've seen you mention on your, you know, your Instagram page is using equipment well when you're you know when you are out investigating and I you know this is something that I think for anybody interested in coming into investigating paranormal happenings experiences phenomena you know be it ghost hunting or in some other capacity you know we have this equipment we see them on the television screens often people don't really show how they should be used properly in that scientific method to really kind of get the best data and the best evidence from them that makes it a little bit more authentic. And I love that you give these tips and tricks to kind of enable someone to use this particular device or this particular device in a better way. And so I'm kind of interested really kind of looking and thinking about which bits of equipment you like to use in particular if there's any that really kind of are your favorites but also what would you say to somebody in terms of using it to the best how would you set it up you know the kinds of things that you might might not have known when you first started investigating yourself maybe yeah it's yeah so first of all yeah they the <laughs> the equipment it becomes a. Uh, it can become uh, expensive and uh, mm-hmm. and like it, almost like an obsession because you know even now I still find myself I get on the on the websites like you know you know these different paranormal equipment and I you know I see something new I'm like I gotta I think I need to have it and before you know it you have like forty cases of stuff and you're like <laughs> I got all this equipment so I think one thing I'd say is you know kind of really you gotta really think you know what do you want to do when you investigate and and that, you know, you, you end up getting all this equipment and maybe you only use like two or three pieces of it and you got like 10 other yep. things you're not using. So it's kind of crazy. But but in your mind, you're like, I really got to have I got to have all this stuff. I got to have just in case, man. And I don't know how many times I, I like this. I, you know, I use like I end up using like three or four things and that's about it. And, um, You know, for me, um, when it comes to equipment, you know, probably, you know, probably the thing where I get the most reliable evidence is EVPs, you know, EVPs is electronic voice phenomena where you, you know, you're, you're, you're recording with a digital recorder or a tape recorder, or even, even a video, some type of video recorder or your cell phone, you record, you know, you ask questions or you're talking and, you know, and then you play it back and listen and you'll hear these voices that are, shouldn't mm-hmm. be there that are there. And they're sometimes they're answering questions or sometimes they're just, you know, kind of saying things. And for me as a science person and, and, you know, and a, and a partial skeptic, hearing these voices that come across, that just blows me away because I can't explain them. And, you know, they're not, I don't think they're CB radios or, you know, something, you know, I don't think they're, I don't think it's coming from like, you know, from, from, uh, from living folks or, you know, living communication is because, you know, you catch these voices that are, they're responding intelligently to what you're asking, you know, so what's the chances of that randomly picking up on something from somebody's cell phone, you know, so I don't know. But anyway, so so uh, I think a good digital recorder, uh, some type of auto recorder is important. I think some type of camera, I've really kind of got hooked on these body camera things. Um, they're like police body cams. They, uh, they're they really nice. They shoot in 1080 and they got uh, almost, you know, wide, kind of a wide angle lens that shoots. And you can, 
I usually wear one. I wear a full spectrum camera, and then I have I have several that I just kind of plop down. So I, as I'm going around an area, you know, and somebody's talking like, "Well, this is a hot spot. This is where we see spirits, or this is where we see shadows." I'll just go ahead and plop one down. You know, either put it on a tripod or stick it on a on a, a piece of furniture. You know, they're just so handy to just kind of stick down, and they record for about you know four to six hours, and they uh, record sound. I've caught good video and good audio, good EVPs on the, on my body cams. So I think sometimes some type of good camera, uh, I think, a, you know, good recorder, um, probably some type of meter. It's good to have, you know, you know, something to detect like EMF, you know, partly to see what's naturally or naturally around you. And also, you know, and then if once you figure out where the natural fields are, then you kind of can, you know, see if you pick anything else, pick up on the fields that weren't there before or that shouldn't be there. And EMF is electromagnetic fields. You know, there's different meters. People use K2s, there's REM pods, those kind of things. So I think some type of meter like that, I usually, I actually like the REM pods to me when those seem not to go off that much. And when they do, it's, it's pretty interesting. And then the other thing that's actually cool is these are really cheap are the cat balls, the touch activated cat balls. I love them. I yeah. love them. <laughs> I'm always you know, they always blow me away because something has to touch those things. You know what I mean? It's just like something has to move it to make it go off. So it's kind of like the EVP. I'm like, it's something that's like, you can kind of really wrap your head around that there's something there that shouldn't be there. Or, or with the cat toy, something's touching this cat toy, especially when you when it does it on command. When you're like, touch the cat toy if you're a male and it goes off. Touch the cat toy if you die. You know, when it's like, when it starts going off, intelligently like that it just blows me away so i think the cat toys are probably a must-have <laughs> so cat toy video audio some type of meter i i like the sls cameras those are the cameras that do the stick figures mm. um they're the they use the uh the xbox um so the cameras from the xbox system video game system where the camera allows you to interact with the system so it, it registers you and it puts you kind of into a game and part of that process is it shows you as a stick figure in front of the camera. So people that have these Xbox cameras were picking up on figures in front of the camera in their homes when there shouldn't have been a figure there. So the ghost of the community kind of caught on like, well, maybe we're picking up on spirits here or something. So, so now, so now we have these uh, portable uh, SOS cameras that usually have the Xbox 360 camera with like a tablet or you can hook it to a computer and then you have the software on the on the on the program. Now, I I like them, but you got to kind of know what what you know what's what's normal and what's potentially paranormal. Um, a lot of the, they're getting a lot of bad press now. People are like, oh, they're not picking up on anything, and it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo, and it's all this false mapping. And I I don't I don't buy into that. I think I think it is registering things, <clears throat> not all the time, but there's times where I've captured stick figures on these cameras. And I'll say, touch the K2 meter or touch this or touch that. And it'll do it or raise your hands up or do this or do that. You know what I mean? So I think there is something to it. So I think the SLS camera, I want to try to do more work with that to try to try to validate it more. And, you know, because I think there is something to it. But a lot of people are kind of dismissing it now. And which is, it's crazy to me because kind of like we were talking about before, like, why would you, why would you not believe there's ghosts in afterlife? And then with the paranormal community, I'm like, why do you want to just dismiss this device that seems to me be a pretty good tool if you know how to use it? And, you know, so it's like it's weird to me that there's 
But I think any tool can be misused unless you use it well. And, you know, you, yes. said, you said something really important there that actually a really important, important part of investigating is validating. And you validate by, are you getting hits across multiple different devices? Yes, absolutely. Is this something that people are picking up on? Um, is your camera picking up on it? Is there any audio evidence? Is there, right. you know, some kind of EMF activation in whatever device you're using? You know, are those things happening at the same time? And when you get things like that, then that's really exciting data because it's not just from one device, you know, it's across multiple. And that makes it then much harder to disprove, I think. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm a big fan of that. And I've, I think I've done this in my videos too. Like, you know, if the cat toy goes off, you're like, well, can you touch the REM pod? Or if the mm -hmm. REM pod goes off, can you touch the cat toy? Or with the SLS camera and the stick figures, can you do something else? Yeah, I absolutely agree that. And for me, I'm always a little skeptical. I'm definitely a believer, but still skeptical. I always got to convince myself that what's happening is really happening. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, yeah, the more things you can get going off, like if you're seeing a shadow and then you got to figure on the SLS and then you got cat ball going off and the red pot. Yeah, I'm, I I love when you can get different things like that or you get EVPs the same time you're having all that happen. And then the other thing to kind of say about all that is, it's important to like to, to know your instruments to like know well like with the SLS camera what the SLS camera does false map and what I mean by yes. that is they'll put stick figures where there's a door where there's curtains if you have a coat hanging up you know chairs I see this a lot of time and I don't I, I usually don't I, I usually don't criticize people's stuff but they'll have a stick figure in a chair and I'm like you can tell it's mapping the chair you know but yeah. but you got to know that you need to know your equipment that. It tries to create that image from what yes. it's seeing. And I think that's exactly. really important to know where you get really good evidence is when there's nothing in that surrounding area. Right, right. And you'll see in my videos, I point that out a lot of times. I'll be like, and there's nothing there to falsely really map. If, you know, mm. if I'm showing a figure that I think is kind of the real deal, like, and there's nothing there to falsely map, you know, how do you explain this one, you know, and kind of thing. And then the other thing with any of this stuff, you know, like the K2 or any of the meters and the gadgets, you got to know what sets them off. You know, mm -hmm. cell phones will set off K2 or the K2 or EMF meters. Walkie-talkies will set your REM pods off. You know, so you need to know those things. And yeah, electricity, I realize lightning will set your REM pod off. Yep. You know, so you need, to, you need to know what normally is going to set your REM pod off. So when something paranormal happens, you can kind of, you can be excited about that. Knowing um, the environment is so important. You know, doing that walkthrough of yes, the space that yes. you're in. Yes. Seeing what it naturally picks up the first time you go around or, you know, a couple of times that you walk around to then see if you get something where you haven't picked up any activity in that area, you know, right. when you're carrying out the investigation. But likewise, you know, thinking about the wider environment, the weather, you know, talked yeah. about how earlier um, I'm in the middle of some pretty horrific weather right now. That really can affect equipment. Yes. Um, yeah. But so can the geography that you're in. You know, and that's something else to also consider, you know, your, yeah. you know, the land that you're on, the environment that you're on, that can play into some equipment. And, you know, it's knowing all of that and kind of creating that baseline to then right. see what shifts. Yeah. And the human factor as well. I mean, really simple bits of equipment like your digital recorder. You know, you can pick up some false information if you're not kind of calling out simple things that some you might be doing inadvertently say if you cough you've got yes. to say on there when you're recording that's me yes you know yeah you if, mark it. we talk about marking your evidence yeah where you got stomach growls and whispering yeah. we always say don't whisper and i'm i'm guilty of it i 
as soon as I say don't whisper, I'm whispering. You know, so you gotta like, you gotta like not whisper, and you gotta mark your stuff. You know, and if you've yeah. got different people in different areas, really try and separate where you are, so that you know yes. you're not going to have evidence that interferes with each other. Because it's when it's quiet, it is incredibly easy to miss something that annoys a sound, a growl, you know, something. Um, yes. And then when you're looking back your days later and and listening to that it's very easy to forget where that sound came from. And you can then go on a whole other tangent of thinking, well, that's some evidence of this when it was just your friend in another room moving a chair. Right, right. So it's kind of important to kind of make sure you're cataloging that just to kind of really then be able to look at what you have as evidence and and kind of dismiss some of it, which, you know, we should be doing, you know, we should be looking at all the evidence that we collect with that, very very kind of careful eye so that we are being really really critical so that then what you're left with are the bits that you're going well this is actually the really exciting bit that I'd like to explore some more do I get that same activity if I go back if I set up things in that area you know maybe I can try and see if we get the same activity you know that's where you then can carry on and create that body of research that makes it really exciting yeah, I agree. And I think you read my mind on that because I was going to say, well, a couple of couple points real quick. So one of the hardest things I have to do, and probably you do too, is throwing out evidence. When you have a good piece of evidence, you know, and you analyze it and, you, and you're almost certain you got something and then you then you realize, oh, man, you're like, you know, like one thing I'm thinking about, there was one time we caught a door opening and it looked spooky as ever. But then as once you kind of put it all together, you realize it was somebody else opening the door. Mm. Um, so, but it was, it was hard to throw that out, but you gotta, but you have to do that. And like, you know, one of the things I think the guys from ghost hunters say is when in doubt, throw it out. Yeah. And you gotta do that. If you, if you can, if you can come up with a reason or, or, or those kind of things, you know, a natural reason or explainable reason for something that's not paranormal, you know, especially if you're going to be putting your evidence out, I think, uh, you know, on YouTube or you're going to put it out there as something for people to to look at and you're going to say it's paranormal. I think you got to really do what you said. You got to be able to, you know, go through it rigorously and, and say that I excluded everything possible. And this is, I think this is paranormal, but, but the hard, but you know, the hardest thing is eventually you may have this outstanding piece of evidence. You realize, Oh man, that's just normal, <laughs> but you got to do that. You got to do that. Cause I see a lot of stuff online. I'm like, that's, that's not paranormal, but they're, they're, excited and they're claiming it's paranormal you know and i try not to i try not to ring on people's parade or anything but i think it's if you're going to put stuff out there and and you're trying to really do something legitimate i think you gotta you gotta do that you gotta you gotta be willing to throw stuff out and 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 be really critical of things and then and then the second thing i think is important is what you said is you gotta go back you know a lot of times one time in a place isn't enough you know you need to go back and kind of re-experiment and when that happened recently um we did a place in, in Bassett, Virginia. Um, I didn't go the first time, um, but I went the second time with this team that asked me to join them. And uh, they had caught some pretty good SLS footage on the second floor by this railing. And uh, with this SLS figure dancing on the railing. So we went back the second time and I was able to catch some of that same footage. So it was really neat to, to have the same thing happen in the same location you know, with the same piece of equipment. And it wasn't, I don't think it was false mapping. So it's cool to go back and kind of verify or, 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 you know, or, or, you know, find a natural reason for something, but yeah, 
you gotta be willing to really criticize your stuff if you're gonna be putting it out there, you know, and and all that. So, but I think it then opens up other types of investigation and questioning. I mean, I know of a few people here in the UK who have amazing access to sites year round and have had access exclusively for years to some places. And what that means is that they are able to go in, they're able to set up investigations, experiments that they're trying to find the answer to. Does weather impact? Does, you know, particular times of the year impact on the activity? Um, will introducing, you know, these kinds of trigger things into the environment change what they get? They they ask all kinds of things. They research it to absolute death to try and kind of glean as much as they can about the building, the history, the people, what right. materials made it. And they're using all of that all of the time to evolve what they're doing. And they're then re- re- reacting to the information that they're collecting and continuing that kind of thinking. Where can right. it take them? And I think that's really exciting. That is, yes, yes. It's very exciting. Thank you so much for your time. It's been really phenomenal to talk to you. And I hope that this inspires some people who are interested in parapsychology, in, you know, ghost hunting, to maybe think about what they're doing if they're going in and investigating or if this is something that they want to explore a little further to realise that this is something accessible to anyone interested in this. Start somewhere, start small, start by Googling, start by, you know, networking on Facebook, on Instagram and seeing what's out there because it's a pretty exciting, you know, world of of different thinking and and people doing so much work that, you know, you will you'll be hooked. (laughs) Yeah, well I know I don't know about it, you know, over there, but in uh in the United States, there's a lot of like public events. You know, in fact I help out with some of these public events where you can go and pay some money and, and go around with a team. Usually a local team mm-hmm. will have a spot like, um, where did I go recently? I went to this place, uh, Patrick Henry's um, Scotch town. It's a historical place from Patrick Henry. And uh, I think built 1700, something like that. But there's one of the teams transcend paranormal. They go and you can pay and go around with them and they explain the history and you have equipment. And so if you're trying to figure out if you want to get into it, or you're just mm. interested in it, you, there's a lot of opportunity. I know in the States, to do these public events, you know, you can like a Friday night, Saturday night kind of thing, go out and, you know, it's not usually not an all night thing. It's usually like, you know, it starts like at six in the evening. It goes to like one or two in the morning, but you get a good exposure to yeah. paranormal investigating. So it's, you know, it's kind of cool. Just start somewhere. If it's something you're yeah. interested in, just start somewhere. You won't yeah. regret it. You'll find um, people that fascinate you that you know you'll be grateful for that you've been introduced to because they make you question and think in a different way you'll pick up a book that makes you experience something in a different way when you go into or think about it in a different way and you know that's that's so exciting you know you won't you won't regret it so if it's something you're interested in just start somewhere and you know coming in finding you on facebook and instagram is a good start because you know as i said during the podcast, you put out some really useful information for people who really are interested in parapsychology. Well, um, from beginner level to people who really are wanting to go into some deep research, you know, yeah. so it, it kind of covers a lot that would And if you go to... back, if you go back, so I started my I started my Hot on MD page May 
think it was May of 2018. I there's a lot of stuff I put on there. Actually, I was thinking about reposting some of it to Instagram because some of it I I did way before I was on Instagram. But I do a lot. I did a lot of videos about the equipment, and if you I don't know how far back he went, but yeah, like if you go back, I've got all kinds of different interesting posts. Some some are text reading posts, some are video posts. But I, I cover a lot of the equipment over the years with um and it makes things. it easily accessible. Uh, you know, yeah. for some for somebody who wants that, you know, video ability, capacity to see it, to see someone demonstrating it and showing it and talking through the pros and cons. And I do think knowing the pros and cons of all your equipment is so important. You know, you've got that there on your pages and it's a starting point. And, you know, like I said, there is there's a huge range of different things that you cover and that might be where someone might like to start right or somewhere else right. so and i'm glad you like the i'm glad you enjoy the stuff i put out that makes me feel oh, good. very much so very yeah. much so i i have to say i was the one of the things that stood out was the kind of the stuff that you were talking about when it came to the pineal gland and i'm like wow <laughs> but wow. no it's pretty cool stuff it's i mean it's really deep thinking <laughs> really deep thinking yeah. but yeah it's and and it just shows, doesn't it, really, that it really does cover that very wide range of bodies of research. And, you know, it's great that you're able to approach it with your medical background, that science background, as well as your interests that you naturally have from experiences, you know, through your life. And, you know, combining that is 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 brilliant. You know, what you're putting out there is great. Oh, thanks. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Um, and I'll say goodbye to everybody listening. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you like this podcast, there's a number of things you can do. Come and join us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Spread the word about us with friends and family. Leave a review on our website or other podcast platforms. To support the podcast further, why not head on over to join us on Patreon, where you can sign up to gain a library of additional material and recordings, and in the process know you're helping the podcast continue to put out more content. On a final note, if you haven't read it already, then you can find my piece In Search of the Medieval in Volume 3 of The Feminine Macabre over on spookeats.com or via Amazon. Links to the book will also be in the episode description. Thank you everyone for your amazing support.